0: It is the Monday morning of the Passover week. The day has dawned clear and unusually bright. The air is still, the sky almost cloudless. Jerusalem and its environs are just waking up. In fact, let's follow the morning movements of three particular men there. The first, a Jewish scribe is just finishing up his daylight devotions. He is on his face, on the floor, facing toward the window that opens on the temple's façade. He has gone through his prescribed incantations, opening his eyes now and then to see the morning growing brighter, and finally has gone downstairs for breakfast. He feels absolved of his sin, right with God, and ready now to use the day to make sure others make their absolution, get similarly right, honor God themselves. This man is absolutely certain of the purpose of his day. So let's move on to the next. The second man, a marketeer of the temple courts, is in the middle of negotiations with a farmer who sells livestock to him for his temple trade. The negotiations are not going well. This idiot farmer is trying to raise the price on every animal here on the spot. And the marketeer is doing the math in his head as he listens to the man. At the prices he now hears are the going rates these days for this farmer, he will only clear 20 denarii for the whole Passover week. This is down from the 50 he'd calculated just this morning. The argument continues on. So let us move on. The third man has already had his breakfast and his walking down through the rows of trees and vines to which he attends. This man is a gardener, a keeper of other men's trees and plants. He is breathing deeply of the smells of soil, the dewdrop, the flowers, fruits, leaves, the air around him. He is smiling to himself contentedly. He stops on the way from one of the plots he tends to another, inspects the leaves of one of the fig trees, then moves on. So, let's see how the start of this week treats these men. On that following day, the day after he had ridden so gloriously into Jerusalem, been acclaimed as king, given the once-over to the temple grounds, on this Monday, when they had left from Bethany, the hometown of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, Jesus felt hungry. He was walking along the downward roadway over toward Jerusalem, and the disciples were all around him in a loose-flung circle. The same sun that was dawning for the scribe, the temple seller and the gardener, was rising directly opposite he and his friends. He was walking along, enjoying the unusual brightness of the morning sky, when that pang of hunger hit him. Ahead, he noticed a fig tree in the distance, covered with leaves, and he walked up to it to see if he could find any fruit on it. He was looking at those big, broad leaves as he approached. Approaching nearer, he ducked his head to see up underneath. But when he got to it, when he looked within the canopy of the leaves, he could find nothing but those leaves, for it was not yet time for the figs. Again, hear what Mark just wrote. It was not yet time for the figs. Then Jesus spoke to the tree. May nobody ever eat fruit from you. And the disciples heard him say it. And too, a man who happened to be passing by, the gardener for this stretch of the hillside orchard, heard what he'd said. With great curiosity, he watched the man and his entourage walk on. They were walking down toward the city. Then they came into Jerusalem, entering through that same east side gate as the day before, though they entered today with No crowds, no notice. They passed westward through the street that ran toward the central market and then turned north toward the temple grounds. The light of the day was bright upon the temple's walls. Great crowds of Passover tourists were also heading that way. Within the temple, within that huge open-air area known as the Court of the Gentiles, our marketeer is setting up shop for the day. His table lives there permanently, but any time a holy week is in session, he takes especial care to make his shop front noticeable, attractive. The pens of purchased livestock—he'd got the farmer down, by the way, to where he'd clear thirty-five denarii—are behind him, lowing, whining, shuffling about. His wife had prepped his best tabletop runner. It is shining bright blue in the freshness of the sunlight. He is opening up his money box, preparing to greet his first customers, making stacks of coins with which to make change. When he happens to glance toward the great gate, sees a strange sort of thing that you wouldn't expect to see. A man, surrounded by a number of other men, stooping low, binding together a length of cords into what looks like a a whip. The man ties the end off and rises. Then, literally, all hell breaks loose. You see, Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling there, lashing his whip, shouting out orders. His eyes enraged. Our marketeer was behind his table, just starting to stand up from his stool, when the seeming madman made his way over towards him. His was one of the first that felt the grip, the heave of Jesus. The table came over backwards. Its edge caught the knees of the marketeer. He fell over backwards, knocking down the pen wall of the livestock. The animals began to scurry over top of him. And Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of the dove sellers, and he would not allow people to carry their water pots through the temple. The entirety of Of the court of the Gentiles, east to west, bears describing. Imagine our marketeer surveying the scene from his seat on the ground. Every table on its side or all the way flipped over, all the signage and decorations smashed upon the tile work of the courtyard. All the various currencies now mixed up and scattered everywhere. Passers-by passing by and looting the coinage just by grabbing it up. Water pots broken here and there wherever you looked. Water cascading across the wreckage all around the place. Every kind of sacrificial animal you can imagine, just walking around, answering the call of nature, making ungodly sounds and wails. And at the center of all this, the man who has wrought the destruction. He is squared off to all the sellers, all the people. He now presumes upon them to listen to his words. Who is this madman? Our marketeer wonders. He presses close, fists balled up to listen. And Jesus taught them and said, Doesn't the scripture say, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have turned it into a den of thieves. The marketeer is suddenly frightened, not by the look or violence of this man, but by the way, he intoned those words, my house. The chief priests and scribes, including this morning scribe that we met, also heard him say this and tried to find a way of getting rid of him. But they were in fact afraid of him, for his teaching had captured the imagination of the people. The crowds hung on his every word. All the rumors about him hadn't told even the half of it he he was far more fascinating than anything any galilean had ever said and every evening he left the city one morning most likely the very next one the tuesday of the passover week as they were walking along they noticed that the fig tree had withered away to the roots Its gardener was down on his hands and knees, digging away from the trunk, preparing to lay in some emergency fertilizer to attempt to save it. Jesus and his friends were just passing by. And Peter remembered it and said, Master, look, the fig tree that you cursed is all shriveled up. Which the gardener half heard as he continued digging. Have faith in God replied Jesus to his friends as they got a few feet off, farther along down the road. "'I tell you that if anyone should say to this hill,' he pointed upward at the olive mount, "'get up and throw yourself into the sea, and without any doubt in his heart believe that what he says will happen, then it will happen. That is why I tell you, whatever you pray about and ask for, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours.' And whenever you stand praying, you must forgive anything that you are holding against anyone else, and your Heavenly Father will forgive you your sins. He said all this while he walked casually down toward the city, and his disciples took note. So they came once more to Jerusalem, entering again through the eastern gate, walking westward, then up northward, up to the temple, And while Jesus was walking in the temple, having so casually strolled through the still-wrecked court of the Gentiles, the chief priests, elders, and scribes approached him. Our friend, the morning-devoted scribe, was among them. And they asked him, What authority have you for what you're doing? And who gave you permission to do these things? Jesus the authority of God incarnate, the eternal permission of heaven upon the earth, turned to face them. He eyed them for one very long moment. I am going to ask you a question, replied Jesus, smiling, and if you answer me, I will tell you what authority I have for what I do. The chief priests, elders, and scribes looked at each other, nodded their approval to one another, and then nodded their heads to Jesus' terms. Jesus, still smiling, went on to ask, The baptism John now, did it come from heaven, or was it purely human? Tell me that. The chief priests, elders, and scribes moved quite naturally into a huddle. They began to discuss the way they'd like to answer. Yet all they could do was just to argue with each other. Well, if we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe in him? But if we say it was purely human, well, their discussion trailed off. For truth be told, they were frightened of the people, since all of them believed that John was a real prophet. Truth be told... Many of the chief priests, elders, and scribes believed the same. But it wouldn't do to admit that now to themselves or to anyone. So they answered Jesus, using that greatest of the dodges ever employed by all humankind in its greatest moments of travail. We do not know. Jesus continued smiling a smile of the utmost sincerity. Well, then I cannot tell you. By what authority I do these things," returned Jesus, and he walked off. The scribe, humbled, humiliated, really, by the complete self-possession of a man who is the most perfect enigma. The temple marketeer, bankrupt, embarrassed, fearful that that same madman might return if he ever resets up shop. The gardener watching as that lone fig tree continues to wither until its death is all but assured. These are the particular views of three particular men on the Monday and Tuesday of Jesus' final Passover week there in Jerusalem.